Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 117 of the Money Love Podcast. I am so excited that you have joined me for this week's episode because we are going to be talking about kind of an interesting topic today. It's something that I actually mentioned and brought up in the episode that I did two weeks ago with Ashley from YNAB when we were talking about YNAB and the money method that completely transformed my life. I know a lot of you guys listened to that episode. That episode has actually become one of my highest downloaded episodes, and it's only been out for a couple of weeks, which is kind of crazy. But in that episode, if you've listened to it, you may remember me referring to something called the credit card float. And I've also done a video on TikTok about the credit card float that got quite a bit of traction because I think you'll realize this by the end of today's episode. It's something that a lot of people are in. They just don't realize that that's what they're in because it's actually quite tricky to recognize that you're in it because of just this common rule and common narrative that gets pushed out in the personal finance space. I'm going to break all this down for you so this will make a lot more sense in a second. But all that to say, it's just something that a lot of people are in and they have no idea that they're in. And then all of a sudden they hear what it is and they're like, oh my gosh, like this just makes so much sense now. Like I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't quite articulate why I felt this way or why what was happening was happening. But now that I know that this is a thing, this is exactly what I'm in, which is why I feel like I've been struggling to just kind of keep up, so to speak. And so I was like, okay, well, let's just do a podcast episode on it and break this down so that we have this so that you guys can always refer back to it. Here are a couple of my disclaimers before we get into this one. You know, I always give my disclaimers. One, this is definitely going to be more of a technical episode. Okay. I know we've had a lot of episodes recently where we talk a lot about mindset and feelings. This really is not going to be one of those episodes. This is like, okay, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Here's what I would recommend that you do for this episode. This is something that you feel like you're in and you actually want to solve and get out of it. If that's you, I want you to listen to this episode twice. I want you to listen to it one time, just listening to it. Okay. Just absorb the words that you hear me say in this episode. If you listen to it once and you're like, yeah, this isn't my problem. I'm not in the credit card float, then that's great, right? You don't need to listen to it again. But if you are in the credit card float and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is exactly what I'm in. What do I do about it? How do I get out of it? Then I want you to come back and listen a second time when you actually have time to like sit down with some notes, write some things down, make your plan of attack on your second go around. Because in this episode, we're going to break down a couple of things. We're going to break down what the credit card float is. I'm going to tell you why it's even something that you should care about if you're in and why it's even something that you should try to get out of if you're in it. I'm going to tell you how to get out of it. And I'm also going to tell you how to stay out of it once you are out of it so that this is not only something that you can get yourself out of now, but it's something that you can completely avoid in the future. Again, I am going to do my absolute best to verbally walk you through this. It can get a little tricky sometimes when we're talking kind of more technical things, but 
I do think I do a pretty good job of that. So we're just going to take it slow and I'm going to break this down the best that I can. But of course, if you have questions, do not be shy about reaching out. You can DM me. You can shoot me an email at support at Paige Pritchard. I'm here for you. I got you. And that leads me into the second point before we begin and dive in is a lot of you have already joined, but I want you to know that it is not too late to join us for the month of October inside the Overcoming Overspending membership. If you are in debt, if you're in the credit card float, I really can't think of a better idea for you than to come join us inside the membership for the month of October. Remember that debt is our focus for this month, and we are also going through a debt payoff challenge. We are working to make a clear plan to getting our debt paid off. And we are also working on making as much progress towards our debt as we can in the month of October. So inside the membership in the month of October, you get lots and lots of coaching from me. You get the overcoming overspending process. You get the community. You get the accountability. You get the live coaching. And for my podcast listeners, because you guys are my favorite peeps, you know that, I tell you this all the time, you can get $30 off your first month's enrollment. So you can join by just going to overcomingoverspending.com. The link is also in the show notes. You're going to enter in the code MLP30 at checkout. I've also put all of this information in the show notes. Your first 30 days in the membership is really kind of like your trial period. Like you come in and see if you like it. If you don't, I will give you a full refund of your first 30 days. And then after that, you can cancel at any time. You can stay as long as you want, or you can stay as short as you want. But if you're in debt and you have a desire to be debt-free and you're feeling lost or you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling confused, come and join us. I will give you all the tools that you need in the month of October to make a plan for your debt and to start executing that plan. And you will get the help, support, the coaching, and the community all along the way for the entire month. So come join us. I hope to see you in there, overcomingoverspending.com. Let's start going through these four points. We're going to talk about what it is, why it's something you should care about, how to get out, and how to stay out. So what is the credit card float? F-L-O-A-T. Sometimes people are like, I thought it's flow. I thought you're saying flow. Like, no, not flow. Not like the progressive insurance girl. Float. Like a root beer float. I'm going to tell you why it's called that in a little bit. But what the credit card float is, is essentially when you need this month's income to cover last month's spending. So here's kind of the litmus test to tell if you're in the credit card float. Could you right now pay off the balance on your credit card while also simultaneously having all the money that you need to pay for all of your bills and all of your expenses that you would have to pay until you're paid again? If the answer to that question is yes, you could pay off your credit card and pay all of your bills and expenses, you're not in the float. But if the answer to that question is no, if you're like, no, I couldn't, like I don't have enough money right now to pay off my credit card, while also having enough money left in my checking account after doing that to pay for all of the expenses that I have until I get paid again, that is how you know that you were in the credit card float. Now, let me just walk you through this process because I feel like this might help you understand it a little bit better. 
Here is what a lot of people do with their credit cards. This really boils down to the overarching rule or the overarching narrative in the personal finance space that I know we have all heard many times, which is that you need to be paying off your credit cards in full every single billing cycle. Now, I am not saying that's bad and I'm not saying it's wrong and I'm not saying you shouldn't be doing that. In fact, I think you should if you can. Now, there are situations where sometimes we're not able to do that. We don't have the money that we need to pay off our credit cards in full. And then what starts happening in that situation is you start actually racking up a revolving balance that starts to accrue interest. That's one situation. But the other situation, which is kind of like this middle ground, this is where the credit card float lies. This is credit card float land, is where you are able to pay off your credit cards in full every single month or every single time that you're paid. But then what happens is, is that you don't have the money that you need to also cover current and present expenses. And so the reason that I was saying earlier that a lot of people don't realize they're in the credit card float is because, again, of this overarching narrative that gets pushed out of, well, just make sure that you can pay your credit cards off in full every single month or every single pay cycle. And if you can do that, you're fine. If you can do that, you're good. If you can do that, there's no problem because you're paying off your credit cards in full. And so some people will say, well, I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing, right? Like I've just been told my whole life, like just make sure that you can pay your credit cards off. And again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be doing that or I'm not saying that it's bad, but a lot of people get themselves into the float because they are paying off their cards in full, then they don't have the money that they need to cover present expenses and they get themselves in the float, but they don't see it as a problem because, oh, I'm just paying off my credit cards in full every single month. So remember, it's a situation where you are using this month's income to cover last month's spending. When you are in the credit card float, what is happening is you are essentially a paycheck behind. And yes, you get yourself into the credit card float as a result of overspending. You are a paycheck behind which also means that you are spending your next paycheck before you've even received it. And this is how it typically looks, okay, the cycle. You will get paid. You'll say, okay, today's payday. Let me take what I need out of this paycheck and let me just dump it all towards my credit card to bring my credit card balance down to zero. Let me just go ahead and pay off my credit card. Great, fantastic. Well, In a lot of cases, you are using a good chunk of that paycheck, and in a lot of cases, like almost your entire paycheck, to pay off your credit card. And so then you're in a situation where you don't have a lot of money left in your checking account because you've just sent all that money in your checking account towards your credit card. And then what has to happen is you're like, okay, well, for the next two weeks, I have this bill that I have to pay and this bill, and I have to go to the grocery store, and I have to put gas in my car, and I have to pay for my kid's soccer camp but you don't have the money for that sitting in your checking account. So then what happens? All of those expenses go on a credit card. And so that is why it's called the credit card float because your credit card is floating you until you get paid again. But for those of us, and this is me, right? I use credit cards for 90% of my spending. For those of us who use credit cards for the majority of our spending, we just get into a cycle where we don't really 
even see this as a problem because we just get into the cycle of like, okay, we get paid, we dump all of our money towards the credit card, then we continue using the credit card because even though we don't have the money sitting in our checking account, we would have done it anyways, right? Like we use our credit card for most of our spending. So even though your credit card is technically floating you, we're not actually thinking about it that way. We're just thinking like, oh, I just use my credit cards to get points and miles and that sort of things. Like I just use credit cards for my everyday spending. But the question really comes down to, okay, let's just say your credit card disappeared tomorrow. Let's just say credit cards no longer existed or you just didn't have any credit cards to use. Let's just say that wasn't an option, even though it is. But if you couldn't use your credit card tomorrow, would you be able to pay for the things that you need to pay for until you get paid again? And that's another kind of good litmus test to say, like, are you in the float or not? Because if the answer is no, you're in the float. If the answer is yes, I would have enough money to cover all of my expenses, then you're not in the float. Two more things. I know I'm giving a lot of explanations here, but I try to explain this in a couple of different ways because sometimes it just takes a couple of different angles of looking at this for it to go, oh, okay, (laughs) that makes sense, right? So here's a couple other ways to think about it. When you're in the float, your money is going backwards in time or the majority of your money is going backwards in time. It's being used to pay for bills and expenses that you've had in the past versus having any of your money looking forward in time or going forward in time. Another clear indication that you were in the credit card float is if the balance in your checking account is lower than the balance on your credit card. And again, that could still be like, okay, well, I'm going to get paid again, and then I'm going to have enough money to pay off my credit card. Like That's still a situation where we don't have enough to cover past spending and present spending. Like I said, you're essentially a paycheck behind. And yes, it is a result of overspending at some point in time. I'm going to stop there. (laughs) That's the credit card float. I know I gave you a lot of different explanations, but that's essentially what it is, is that you're a paycheck behind. You are using this paycheck to cover last month's spending. And in the present, you are already spending money that you haven't yet received. That's probably the simplest explanation of it. Now, why is this something that you should even care about and want to get out of? Well, because when all of your money is going backwards in time, when you receive a paycheck and you go, okay, here's my paycheck, and now I'm going to throw a good chunk of this, or I'm going to throw all of it at my credit card, which is spending that I've done in the past, and now I'm basically left with not much, or if anything, it makes it really, really hard to be proactive with your money, to get ahead with your money, to save, to invest, to plan for future expenses that might be coming up next month or in six months or in 12 months. And so what I hear often from people who are in the float, but they don't realize that they're in the float is usually something along the lines of like, look, I'm really confused because something just feels off. I can't put my finger on it because I feel like I'm doing everything I've been told to do. I feel like I'm paying off my credit cards in full every month, which is, again, all everyone ever told me to do. Like, Just make sure that you can pay off your credit cards and you're good. So I'm doing that, but yet I don't feel like I'm getting ahead. I have no savings. Unexpected expenses pop up and I'm not ready for them. I'm not prepared for them. So those have to go on the credit card, which then just sucks up even more of my next paycheck that I haven't even received yet. 
So I'm really confused and frustrated because I feel like I'm checking all the boxes and doing the right things. Like I'm paying all of my bills and my credit card statement every month, but yet I still feel like I'm just treading water. I don't necessarily feel like I'm drowning, but I also don't necessarily feel like I'm getting anywhere. I just feel like I've been status quo for a long time and I'm not making any forward momentum or progress. And if that's kind of this underlying feeling that you have, again, it could be because you're in the float. So that is why this is something that you want to care about because it's not necessarily this thing where it's like, oh my gosh, it's this giant, huge detriment to you. It's the most awful thing in the world because on the surface, it doesn't actually look that bad, right? Like on the surface, it's like, well, you're paying off your credit cards in full. So you're not paying interest. Uh, It's probably not damaging or hurting your credit score much or at all. So there's not a lot of like obvious right in front of your face consequences of it. The consequences are more subtle. It's more just like, I'm not moving forward at the rate that I want to be moving forward at because you can't, right? It's because all of your money is going backwards in time versus forwards in time. And another reason that I will say just to be really careful with this is that, again, the consequences of it don't seem so dire when you have consistent income coming in, right? Like when you've got your job and you know you're going to get paid every week or two weeks and you know it's going to be the same amount. But the credit card float can also become much trickier and much more damaging when you're in a situation where you lose your income. Maybe you lose your job, spouse loses income, where you're in a situation where income goes way down or it's just completely cut off like a job loss. Because when that happens, like when you are basically relying on your next paycheck to cover spending that you're doing today, but then that next paycheck doesn't come for whatever reason, a job loss or just something happens. I mean, I don't know. But when you are spending money that you haven't even received yet, and then something happens to that income to where it's not coming anymore, then you find yourself in a situation where you're like, well, shoot, (laughs) like I don't have what I need now. Like now I'm going to have to let this balance on this credit card sit here. And then it becomes a revolving balance that you don't have the money to pay for. And at that point, it starts accruing interest. And so that's why this is something that you should care about. It keeps you stuck. It keeps you in a very reactive place with your money versus a proactive place with your money. And if something were to happen with your income, it really doesn't take long or really take much for you to get yourself in a situation where you're like, uh oh. Like this really, really, really isn't good. So how do we get out of it? I'm going to walk you through a process. This is probably the part that you might want to sit down with some notes and you know pause and kind of think about some things. But here's the process of how we're going to get out of the float. I need you to get three numbers for me, three numbers. I want you to gather these three numbers on the day that you are paid. So next payday, I want you to sit down and I want you to write three numbers on your sheet of paper. The first number I need you to get is after you are paid, what is the current balance in your checking account? How much money do you have in there? And we're not going to incorporate any type of savings into this yet. You can later on in the process if you want to, if you want to throw some of your savings towards getting you out of the credit card debt. But for now, we're not going to go there. I just need you to write down what is the number in your checking account. The second number I need you to write down and have is what is the current balance on your credit card or credit cards totaled up? 
If you have one card, it's just like, what's the current balance on that card? And if you have multiple cards, I need you to get all of the balances and add them all up so that we have the total balance across all of your cards. The third and final number that I need you to gather for me, this one might take a little bit more work than the first two, is I need you to figure out how much money do I need to live my life until I'm paid again? So let's say you are paid every two weeks. I need you to look out at the next two weeks and just say, how much money do I need between now and next payday to pay all of my bills, to pay all of my debt payments, to buy my necessities like groceries and gas and medications? And also like the nice to haves, right? Like we're not even focusing on just the bare necessities here, but just the nice to haves. Going out to eat, maybe using some money for beauty and personal care items, some entertainment, maybe going out and buying some gifts for your kids or your grandkids or friends or whoever. It's just looking and saying like, okay, how much money am I going to need to spend before I'm paid again? My little disclaimer here is also be thinking about your bigger expenses. Be thinking about potentially taking your bigger expenses, like maybe your mortgage payment, which for most people is their largest expense, or maybe like a really large debt payment that you have. Like maybe you have a really large car payment or you have a really large student loan payment. If you don't have to pay that until you're paid again because you've paid it in the previous pay cycle, also kind of be thinking about that. Like be incorporating in like, okay, well, what if I was to take my mortgage payment and split it in two? Like pay half of it in one pay period and pay half of it in the other pay period. So I would take a lot of your bigger expenses and cut those in two and incorporate those into this time period as well. If you paid them last pay period and you don't have to pay them this time, I hope that makes sense. Okay. Because ultimately, what we're trying to figure out is this once you have these three numbers, here's a simple equation that you're going to do you're going to take number one and subtract out number two and then subtract out number three. So you're going to take number one, which was the amount in your checking account that's at the top. Then what I want you to do is I want you to subtract out number two, which is the total balance on your credit cards right now. Then you're going to subtract out number three, which is how much money you need to spend until you're paid again. Now, if you're in the float, that is going to be a negative number. That's the whole point of the float because it's basically saying, I don't have enough money in my checking account to pay the balances on my credit card and to also pay for all of the expenses that I have until I get paid again. So when you do number one minus number two minus number three, you are going to be left with a negative number. But that negative number is really important because that negative number essentially tells us how much money we need to get caught up on. How much money are we actually short here? The goal is we want to build up the money in our checking account, build up that very top number that we start with so that we can cover both of those things. Like at a bare minimum, We want to get out of the negative. We want to get that negative number to, at a bare minimum, zero. I've worked an example here. Let's just say that you have $5,000 in your checking account. You have $4,000 balance on all of your credit cards. And you also need $4,000 to cover all of your bills and expenses until you're paid again. So we're going to do $5,000 minus $4,000, which gives us $1,000. And then 1,000 minus 4,000, which is going to give us negative 3,000. So once you've gone, okay, number one minus number two minus number three, 
you're going to have your negative number. In this example, we have a negative $3,000. And so what that tells me is, okay, I'm basically short $3,000. I need to find an extra $3,000 to get myself out of the float and to bring this equation back up to zero. Because when you can get it back up to zero, you are officially out of the float. So once you have that number, what we need to do is we need to start thinking about where can I make up this money? Like, how can I find this money? And I want you to think of this number like a new savings goal that you have just created for yourself. Like if you've ever been in a situation where you're like, oh, I want to save up a $3,000 emergency fund, or I want to save for a trip and that trip is going to cost me $3,000. This is your new savings goal. Whatever this number is for you, it's like, it is my goal now to save up this amount of money because this is the amount that I need to bring myself back to zero to get myself out of the float and back on solid ground. Once we have that number, then we need to decide, okay, how long do I want to give myself to save up this amount of money? And depending on your income and your expenses, that's going to look different for each of you. Some of you might look at that $3,000 number and go, oh, I think I can probably have that saved up in a couple of months, right? Like, I think that I could find an extra $1,000 in my spending. Like, I think I could really cut back in a lot of areas. I could cancel some bills and subscriptions that I'm not using anymore. I could do that for three months and save up $1,000 a month and get myself out of this in three months. For some of you, $500 a month might feel more doable, which would mean it would take you six months. And for some of you, it might be like, look, I'm not able to do that much. Like I'm only able to do, you know, maybe like two to $300 a month. So it might take you closer to a year to actually save up the amount of money to get yourself out of the float. But what we're trying to do here is we are trying to save up a pool of money that we need to get yourself out of the float. In this example, we're trying to save up $3,000. Now, I'm just going to use the example. Let's just say you look at your spending plan, what you have coming in and going out, and you're like, I think that I can do this in six months. I think I can set aside $500 for six months to save up this $3,000 to get myself out of the float. Okay, that's the next step. The step after that is you don't have to stop using your credit cards because honestly, for a lot of you, if you were to stop using your credit cards, you wouldn't have the money that you needed in your checking account to like pay for the things that you need to pay for. Like you're almost in a position where you can't stop using your credit cards, right? Or else if you did, you wouldn't be able to pay them off in full, which means you would start paying interest. And for a lot of you guys racking up a balance, which could tank your credit. So that's why I'm telling you, we're going to save up this amount of money until we have everything that we need instead of just starting to like throw it out the credit card piece by piece by piece. But the next part of this is I want you to start being really, really, really diligent about tracking your spending on your credit cards. The reason that a lot of people get themselves into this situation to begin with is that they're just spending on their credit cards willy-nilly, not really paying attention to what they're spending, how much they're spending, again, because it's not a problem, because in their head, they're like, oh, well, I can pay off my balance every single pay cycle, so my spending's not a problem, when in fact, it actually is. So I want you to really start to tune in on what you are spending and specifically what's going on that credit card. Because the truth is, the more diligent you can be about the spending that you're doing on your credit card, the more consciousness that you can bring to that, more than likely, the less you will actually spend on your credit card, which means the faster that we can get out of this. 
So this can kind of be like a two-pronged approach. It can kind of be like, okay, I'm going to be saving up as fast as I can to get this $3,000 that I need. But also at the same time, the less and less spending that I do on my credit cards is also just helping me. That's just helping me get out of this cycle faster when I'm saving up over here on this side, but I'm also slowing down the spending and the balances that I'm putting on my credit card. They're both working together at the same time. Now, during this process, I want you to continue paying off your credit card in full. So when you're paid, I still want you going in and paying off your balances in full again, so that we're not racking up the balances, paying interest, kind of working against ourselves, so to speak. But how this process is going to work is like eventually you are going to save up enough money in that pool of money to where you reach a point where on the day that you are paid, you are able to pay off your credit card in full. And after doing that, you are going to be able to look ahead and say, I have all the money that I need to pay for all of my bills and all of my expenses until I'm paid again. Going back to what I said earlier, if my credit card disappeared tomorrow and I couldn't use a credit card, it wouldn't be a big deal because I have all the money that I would need to spend sitting in my checking account. I don't need to rely on a credit card. I don't need my credit card to float me. I could pay for everything that I needed to. Now, you can still continue to use a credit card if you want to, to get the cash back and the perks and the miles and all that sort of stuff. But the point is, is that you don't need to. Like you're not in a situation where it's like, I can't pay my bills. I can't pay my expenses until I'm paid again. And so that's how you know you're out of the float is when you can do both of those things simultaneously. You can pay your credit card off in full and you have all the money that you need to pay for what you need until you're paid again. And if you want to, what would kind of be cool is like every single time you're paid, you can do just this quick math equation. You can gather those three numbers. You can say, okay, how much money do I have in my checking account right now? That's number one. Number two, what are all the total balances across my credit card? And then number three, which number three shouldn't change a whole lot period to period, if at all. It's like, how much money do I need until I get paid again? And then you're just doing that quick math. Number one minus number two minus number three. And the goal is, is we don't want that equation to give us a negative number. We want that equation to give us zero at a bare minimum, a positive number if possible. A positive number, once you start to get above zero, that actually starts to mean that you are aging your money. That means that you are getting ahead. It means not only can I cover my credit cards and not only can I pay for everything I need to pay for until I get paid again, but I actually have enough money to take me into the next pay cycle. And if you guys remember, Ashley said this, she gave a great question in that episode a couple of weeks ago. It was asking yourself the question of how long is it going to take me to spend the money that I'm receiving today? And when you're in the credit card float, that answer is like today. Like I have to spend this money today because I have to pay off my credit card. But it's such a more empowering place when you're like, the money that I got paid today, I don't have to spend that until two weeks from now, or I don't even have to spend that until next month. That's when you know that you're getting ahead. 
So that's how you get out. Again, I know that was kind of a technical process. I hope that makes sense. But you gather your three numbers, you do that math equation, you figure out how much in the negative you are, and then you make a plan to save up that amount of money as fast as you can. You can close that gap and collapse that time period by increasing income so you can increase how much you're able to save and also by reducing expenses and being really conscious about what's on your credit card that will also help to close the gap. Now, I know some of you also might be asking, this is a very common question of like, well, what if I have that in savings? What if I do that equation and I'm in the negative $3,000 and let's just say I have a savings account that has $10,000 in it. Should I just pull $3,000 out of that savings account to just get me out of the float and wipe my hands clean of this problem. And the answer is, is like, that's honestly up to you. If you wanted to, you certainly could. If it were me, I wouldn't drop my savings more than 50% to solve this problem. I wouldn't drop my savings more than 50% to solve this problem. So in that example, if you have $10,000 in a savings account and you're like, listen, let me just use three of this to wipe this out and solve this problem. So I have $7,000 now. It's like, okay, cool. I feel good with that. I still feel really safe and secure with that. And then now I can work over time to build that savings pool back up to $10,000. I say go for it. If you have $5,000 in a savings account, in that situation, I wouldn't. In that situation, I wouldn't drop my savings down to $2,000 from $5,000 to solve this problem. I would just work to save up the $3,000. Because y'all, here's the thing. It's six of one, half dozen of the other. Like, Do you see how in both of those situations, you're still having to save an additional $3,000? Because in the first scenario, it's like, well, I want to get my savings pool back up to $10,000 where it was before. So I need to save another $3,000 in order to do that. And in the second scenario, you're just saving up $3,000 as well, but just to get yourself out of the float. Again, it's six of one, half dozen of the other, but don't deplete your savings more than 50% to wipe this problem out. But if you want to do it that way and you feel comfortable with it and you have a pool of savings and you feel good with it, go for it. Last but not least, let's talk about how to stay out. Once you get yourself out, how do we ensure that we do not fall back into this problem? Here's the thing with credit cards, y'all. If you are going to use credit cards, you've heard me say this over and over, we got to make sure that we are using them responsibly. We have to make sure that we are using them in a way that's helping you versus hurting you. And when you are in the float, it is hurting you. It's not helping you. So Once you get yourself out of the credit card float, if you choose to continue to use credit cards, which is your choice and completely fine, here is what I want to recommend that you do so you don't get yourself back into the float. The first thing you have to do is I need you to track what you are spending on your credit cards. When you are not, it just becomes too easy to overspend because of the nature of how credit cards work, right? Like when you put something on a credit card, that money is not automatically being taken out of your checking account, like if you were to use a debit card. And because of that, because of the nature of credit cards, we have to be tracking what is going on them. If we're not, if you're only looking at your credit card statement once every like two weeks or once a month when you get your statement, I guarantee you you're going to be overspending because you just lose track. 
So if you're going to use credit cards, you need to be tracking your credit card spending, which is a huge component of staying out of the float in the future. You can do that in a software like YNAB. You can do it in an Excel spreadsheet. You can write it down. I don't care. Just track it somehow. The second thing you need to do is you always need to ensure that you have the money sitting in your checking account at the very moment in time that a transaction goes onto a credit card. So when you're in the float, what's happening is like when that transaction goes onto the credit card, you don't actually have the money at that point in time to pay off that transaction. You are actually having to wait until you get paid again to be able to pay off that transaction. So the way that we stay out of the float is we ensure that we're not doing that of like, oh, let me put this on a credit card now and I'll pay it off with a future paycheck. Moving forward, it's like, listen, if I'm going to go to the grocery store and pay for my groceries with my credit card to get cash back and I put $100 on my credit card, do I have that $100 in my checking account right this very moment? Like if I had to log in the second I leave the grocery store and pay off this transaction on my credit card, would I be able to do that? Either A, would I have the money to do it? And B, it wouldn't be taking from some other bill that I have to pay. That's another tricky thing about credit cards, you guys, is like sometimes we'll look at our checking account and we'll be like, oh, I have $1,500 in my checking account. Great. But the context that you don't have in that situation is that that $1,500, like you need 200 of it to pay your phone bill. You need 100 of it to pay your water bill. You need 500 of it to make your car payment in a couple of days. So that's why it's not just as simple as just going, oh, okay, like, yeah, I have $1,500 in my checking account. So I can go ahead and put this $100 on my credit card because I have $100 in my checking account. When really it's like that $1,500 is already spoken for elsewhere. There are other places that you have to spend that money in the future. That is why I love YNAB. <laughs> like, that is why I'm such a fan of YNAB because you can see that all in one place. It's very clear to you. It's like, listen, I have $1,500 in my checking account, but I'm going to need a certain amount for this and a certain amount for this and a certain amount for this and a certain amount for this. It brings the whole picture together for you. And it really helps you understand like what's going to be happening in the future before you're paid again versus you just logging into your bank account and just seeing like a random number and also getting yourself into trouble by going, oh, okay, no problem. I only need $100 and I do have $100 when really you don't, right? Because that money has been spoken for elsewhere. So that's why I'm such a big fan of YNAB or any other money management software or system will help you see that. But those are the two biggest things. Track your credit card spending and always make sure that you have unspoken for money. Let's say it that way. You have unspoken for money sitting in your checking account at the moment in time that that transaction goes onto the credit card. Like if you had to pay for that transaction in that very moment, you could because you have the money for it. And you also wouldn't be stealing money or taking money that's already earmarked for another bill or another purpose down the road. Now in YNAB, how I know, how I can like log into YNAB and be like, okay, I'm good. Because in YNAB, it will actually show you in the available column, which is the column on the far right. It will tell you, this is how much money we have earmarked in your checking account to go towards your credit card. And so I can look at that number. It's always like in a big green bubble. 
I can look at that number and reconcile it with what is the actual balance on my credit card or credit cards. And the cool thing is, is that those numbers will always perfectly, perfectly match. So YNAB will tell me, hey, we've earmarked $1,500 for you to go towards your Capital One saver card. And then I'll look over on the left and I'll see that the balance on my saver card is exactly $1,500. So to me, that's an indication of, okay, I have a balance on my card of $1,500. And I also have earmarked $1,500 to pay off this card. And every single time I make a transaction on that card, I'm putting money on that card. YNAB is moving that money for me automatically. It's going, oh, you went to the grocery store and spent $100 and that went onto your saver card. Well, let me just move that $100 out of your grocery budget and into your credit card line item so that that $100 that right now is just going to be sitting in your checking account doesn't go anywhere. It's not getting sucked up elsewhere by anything else. So you're not in a situation when you go to pay off your saver card going, well, shoot, uh, where did that $100 go? I guess it just got sucked up elsewhere. And so that's, again, the magic of YNAB is like you can see, okay, this is how much I have for my credit cards, while also simultaneously being able to plan out future expenses and budget and assign those future expenses. It's not an episode about YNAB, but you guys just know that I love YNAB. And so after listening to this, if you're like, yep, I'm in the float and you haven't tried YNAB, give it a try. It's really helpful for getting out of the float and it's really helpful for staying out of the float. But even if you're not using YNAB, just follow those two rules. Track your credit card spending and always make sure that you have exactly what you need at that moment in time to pay for that transaction. I've even heard of a couple of people, what they'll do is they will do that. Like The second they go into the grocery store, they will immediately make a $100 payment towards their credit card. It's like every single time they put a transaction on a credit card, they make a payment towards the credit card, which is an option, right? Like you can absolutely do it that way if you want to. That's why it's almost kind of like, not exactly, but it almost is real time of you use a credit card and the money gets taken out of your checking account. And you do see that more immediate reflection of your spending in your checking account with using a credit card versus if you're only making one payment towards your credit card every single month and it's all coming out all at one time. So that's absolutely an option as well if you want to do it that way. Yes, it takes more time, effort, and energy because every time you're using your card, you're making a payment. But some people prefer that. They like to do it. They like to see it. It keeps their spending in check. So that's absolutely an option as well. Oh my gosh. I feel like I need to take a nap. I'm sure you probably feel like you need to take a nap after listening to this. So you guys, like I said, I promised you a very technical episode and I gave you a very technical episode. So that's why I want you to listen to this twice because it's like, whoa, I know I threw a lot of information at you in this episode. So I hope, I hope it was helpful. If you have any questions, I will do my best to get back to you and answer any personalized questions that you may have on this. Again, you can DM me on Instagram. You can email me at support at Paige Pritchard. I am going to put a link to YNAB in the show notes. So after listening to this, if you're like, okay, yeah, I think I would like to use YNAB to help me get out and stay out of the float, I'm going to put a link in the show notes that you can use to start a free 34-day trial. There's no credit card required. And also, if you use my link, you will get a free month as well. So you'll get like two free months. I'll put that in the show notes. Come join us for the month of October inside the Overcoming Overspending membership. 
We can work on this together. I can help you make a plan. We can dig into the numbers. We can come up with an actionable strategy that you can get your arms around. So no doubt by the end of the month, you have a clear path to getting out of the float and staying out of the float. Remember, use the code MLP, like Money Love Podcast, MLP30 at checkout. It'll take $30 off your first month inside the membership. You can join that at overcomingoverspending.com. All right, y'all. I love you so much. Thank you for sticking with me on this one. I hope you guys have a fantastic week and I will see you next week. I love y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Money Love Podcast. If you're loving the podcast, then I want to invite you to join me in the Overcoming Overspending membership. It's where we take this work deeper and apply the concepts and coaching from each week's episode into your own life. By being a member, you have exclusive access to my Overcoming Overspending process, 10 monthly live coaching calls with me, a private podcast, members-only community, monthly money topic and challenge, bonus courses, and so much more. There's nowhere else like it out there to level up your finances and life. Simply go to overcomingoverspending.com to join and you can enter in the code MLP30 at checkout to save $30 on your first month inside the membership. See you inside.